Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Nintendo Fanboys. We were supposed to do a Canadian Gamers, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, Nintendo decided to release a megaton of announcements. And before we begin, Steven decided he hated you all, and he wanted to run away and have a child or something like that, nothing important. So we decided we were going to bring back our good buddy. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell the world who you are. (laughs) Hello, everybody. This is Ahmed Moosli. I haven't been here in a long, long time. It's been a while. I miss this. I miss this, too. And we're all from way back in the day on the insider message boards long before there were a website that was dedicated to all this crap that we decided to call project coe i don't even remember why we did that but whatever (laughs) it worked out very well by the way (laughs) it did it did indeed and so we we all stayed friends and this is really really cool steven just had another child and so he he basically texted me what was it like last week or something and said you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the next couple of podcasts. And with Ahmed here, I was like, oh, this would be perfect, you know, because we've been chatting a lot about the Switch and about Breath of the Wild. And I was like, oh, it would be so cool to get him on at least for a couple of uh, a couple of episodes, because I know you're really busy. You're 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 back in school, right? Yeah, I'm doing a master's right now in public health. So wish me luck on that. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so what have you been up to uh, besides obviously studying and doing assignments and tests and uh man you are a brave soul. I don't I don't know if I could do that again. Yeah, it took me a while to get into the groove actually because I've been practicing just doing my my own practice for the past 5 years so I haven't been in study mode but uh it's it's going it's the transition was rough at the first but uh it's been going smoothly. Uh fortunately uh I haven't been gaming much because of the masters but in the same time when the Switch was released and I'm sure you guys talked about this a lot during the podcast it's it's a, like a huge convenience for me because I don't need to be stuck to the TV so like at night when I finish my assignments or I'm just going to bed uh just like pop it in and, and play some zelda so uh, i've been doing breath of the wild obviously I have, i'm not going to be done with that any anytime soon with the pace i'm going in <laughs> and i'll say this i've been so impressed by uh just how much you've been playing it's been crazy because what's cool with the switch is i get to very easily see how many friends i have online and then i i, I always want to just go and check and i even have saved which is awesome. I don't know if... Um, Me too. Yeah, good. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great to reconnect. And mm-hmm. it's been really funny to just check out. Like, I've been checking yours out, your profile, and I see, you know, you're at like 100 hours, 105, 2,000. <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I really, really like sort of the simplicity of it. And it works. It works really, really well. I, I mean, obviously, I'm hoping that they, they give some features and stuff like that in the, in the coming months. Um, but overall, I'm right there with you. I, I don't think I have played this many video games in years because time is the one thing that, and this, this is for everybody listening, that as you get older, you just don't have time and you throw kids into the mix, relationships, or in my case, you throw in multiple boards that I sit on. I sit on governing boards. Um, there's two at McGill University I sit on. There's an international excellence network that I also co-chair. There's 
lots and lots of stuff. So I'm constantly like either on an airplane going around all over the world or I'm, I'm at these different meetings and I'm traveling all over the damn place. And with the switch, it's almost like I'm back to being in high school because I have all these amazing opportunities to just, you know, pick up the system and play for a bit. And I've been loving it. I've been absolutely loving it. But what are some of the things with the Switch? And and like we said before we started, we're not going to jump on to this and and stick with it for the entire duration of the podcast. But I'm really curious with what are some of your maybe high level or deep, it depends on what you want to talk about. What are your thoughts on the Switch now that, you know, you've had it for like a month, let's say? Yeah, at first uh, there were a few things that I wasn't too keen on, like, but it, the simplicity, like you said, grew on me. And it's just like, like I said before, uh, the the biggest feature is just like picking it up. It's, it's easily to pick up and play. And uh, the other thing is, it's, it's so quick to go in and out of the menu, the main menu, and going back into the game. It does, there's no like chunky load times from transitioning between the menu and the game, so I could easily put down. Uh, the switch uh, as any time uh, th- that I want whether I'm studying and like you said I'm also like I've been married for the maybe three years like so far and uh, I recently had a child as well and it's 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 nice just like transitioning from real life to gaming for 15 minutes and then going back to what I need to do and <laughs> so that's the, the highlight for me basically it's just the portability and the ease of transitioning from the menus yeah one thing I don't think we're we're talking enough about, and by we I mean the whole industry. I don't think is really talking much about the suspend feature of the switch. And for those that don't know or don't have one, you and you can go back to the main menu and put your system to sleep. And what happens is it essentially suspends your game. Now there are a lot of systems out there that do that, but I don't think there are any systems that are this fast in terms of if I literally if I just go and I grab my switch right now and I press the home the home button or home key or whatever it's called and I go back into the main menu if I just click on the tile I'm instantly back into the game there's literally zero load time it, the, the just going into the the dashboard is instant it takes like a second so you can go from Having the machine in sleep mode, and and I never turn it off. I don't know if you ever actually turn yours off, or do you keep it in sleep? Uh, most of the time, sleep, but sometimes I do turn it off because I don't know what's the difference. So, well, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just know that from sleep mode, you can get back into your game within two seconds, and I think that is absolutely incredible. Like. I, I've never experienced that before. So what about Zelda? What are what are some of your big takeaways? Now, this we have to be very careful because you and I together talking about Zelda, oh boy, we could be here for days. <laughs> A whole podcast, yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the things that, like, let's just do some of the high-level things. What do you really like with it? And what are some of the things that you, you, you know, maybe some of the things that could have been improved or you could have done without? Uh, I think the highlight for me regarding Zelda is like the adventuring and, and even though it's vast and big, it really complements the Switch well, ironically, even though we're talking about that, uh, how they removed a lot of the Wii U specific features. But the fact that the world is so huge and you can just like pick it up when, 
for 15 minutes and you discover like a small Korok seed or a small secret here and there, you feel satisfied, even with these small secrets. Like if, even finding a chest underwater, every time you find something, it's just satisfying, even though it's not a big shrine, you don't finish the, the one of the divine beasts. That's going to be the biggest feature, the overworld and, and how satisfying it is to find small secrets you feel like accomplished. Um, negatives, uh, you covered it quite well in your review. I think the, the biggest thing is like the, the, I would say the, the menus and uh, the controls should have been a bit more tighter, especially like transitioning between weapons and going into two menu and equipping and unequipping certain, uh, armor sets. It's a bit tedious. Like it reminds me of Ocarina of Time Vanilla for the Nintendo 64. Uh, which is uh, quite weird. I, I would think that they would improve this feature, especially since they did improve the 3DS remake and made the unequipping and re-equipping items quite easy. But with this one, it's like, like a bit tedious. And for me, the the the, the add-on, maybe the thing that you, maybe you didn't uh, you enjoyed and maybe I didn't enjoy as much is the stealth. I really expected it to be a bit more deep. Not, not Metal Gear Solid deep, but a bit more like visual. You, you don't know that you're stealthy, you know? That's that's my only like negative that I'm, I'm finding so far. Yeah, I find that very interesting because you've spoken to me about that before. And for me, it was... Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. When I bought that... What was it? The Sheikah suit? Or I don't even remember what it was. Um, but when I bought that armor set and went through and upgraded it all, I didn't really mind stealth. Yes, it could have been, I think it could have been implemented a little bit better because sometimes it's extremely hard to tell, am I quiet or am I not? You know, you just have that one little icon, but sometimes I don't find it's really indicative of what the enemies are hearing. Because if you do upgrade your suit, it doesn't really change that icon at all. Like, it still shows that I'm being super loud, and yet no one hears me. So, I don't know. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. That was really good. That was excellent. And we kept it... Uh, hey, man, we're, we're not even at uh, 15 minutes here. We're at 10 minutes. That's not bad. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> Short and simple so far. <laughs> so, before we jump into the crux of this, which essentially is going to be... A little bit of a recap of the Nintendo Direct that happened on April 12th. Now, it's important to note that this particular episode will be going up on April 23rd. So, we're recording this... What is the date today? It's the 15th. So 15th, yeah. Yeah, so we're recording this on the 15th. So, if there are any huge announcements or anything like that that we we don't discuss well obviously it's because we we don't know what they are yet so before we jump in there is one thing i want to uh, announce and i'm very very happy about it yesterday the pre-orders went up for dragon quest 11 yeah yeah and <laughs> i got the deluxe super omega version congrats man so <laughs> i am very very happy about that and for those that don't know it's extraordinarily bizarre I don't I really can't think of another time where something like this has happened but essentially we you have a box and inside that box you have a 3DS and a PS4 game and to make it even more bizarre there is a cross save feature that works from the 3DS version to the PS4 version and vice versa I don't think I have 
ever seen something quite like that before. And I think that's actually pretty damn awesome. It's very, very telling of the strength of Dragon Quest in Japan because any other game, any other franchise, I don't think they would ever pull this off. Like, how uh, the, it's a programming nightmare to cross-save a PS4 with a 3DS game. That is insane, man. Yeah, yes, it is. And it's pretty cool because they said the game will actually change ever so slightly depending on what you do in one version compared to the other because globally they're they're more or less the exact same story it's just that you know there there's a couple of different features in one compared to the other and so on so i think it's going to be flipping awesome to to try one and then and then go back and forth and i'm all set because i have my japanese 3ds obviously i got quite a while ago now for the uh, japanese uh, Dragon Quest games that were released before, and I picked up a new 3DS, a Japanese new 3DS, and it's kind of annoying though that they never made that region free. It still bugs me that, but whatever. So yeah, so everybody can look forward to that. I'm very, very excited for that. The game hits July 29th, and based on the shipping options I have, let's just open up a calendar here. So... July 29th is a Saturday, so I will most likely have it by uh, the 2nd, which would be pretty cool. So oh, August great. 2nd. Yeah, that's that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. It's cost me like $65 to ship it, but yeah, ouch. It's, it's worth it. Yeah, for me, for-, for me, absolutely. Now, the thing what I want to know is I don't know what to do with this. Uh, because I've had a couple of people on YouTube who've requested like a, a playthrough or a Let's Play or whatever you want to call it. But the thing is, doing that, I don't know how entertaining that would be. See, Dragon Quest X has been entertaining because I have a guide. Cranberry guides me through the game, and now I have Mei Mei, and I've, I've got like this whole team of people that know what the hell they're doing like like you know precisely with dragon quest games you really like i need time to get into the world to start learning some of the japanese characters of what does what so i don't know how entertaining it would be i might try it and see and and we'll go from there but i don't know if it would be a very entertaining let's play at least for the beginning like the first 10 hours or so it would get better obviously as i get better at the game but until I figure out all the different things, it's going to be a hell of a lot of trial and error. So I don't know. But either way, for me, I'm super stoked, very, very excited to get my hands on this. And obviously, I would most likely tackle the PS4 version, only because it's the easiest one to capture footage of. And uh, and there we go. So I'm super stoked for that. I really, really want to see the, the cross-save in action. So I'll be really quite curious for you to display that. Maybe the first thing after the unboxing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from what I've been able to gather uh, from Famitsu and Denjiki and, and sites like that, it sounds like you have to progress through the beginning of the game, which is normal, and then you unlock. It's not a shrine of resurrection, but it's something like that. It's like a, a special spell that you cast, which goes from one game to the next game. But I'm very curious to see how precisely does that work like does it take your save data and throw it to the cloud and then when you're on the other version you download it from the cloud like i'm really curious to see how how does it actually go from one game 
to the other game. So I think it's, I don't know. It's be cool. Why in my head it would be like a password system for the 3DS. I don't know why. I don't know why this comes pops in my head. Oh, maybe actually. Yeah. Hey, you might be right because yeah. let's see here. If I'm not mistaken, the Famicom version of Dragon Quest used passwords. It's been a long time, but if I'm not mistaken, that's what happened. It was only the North American one that had a battery to save your game. Yeah. It's still a pro- programming nightmare to, to do even with passwords. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, like, I, I don't envy these guys, but I, I'm super, super excited. And for the North American release, I just hope it's not, you know, five years away or, or never coming. But I don't think it won't come because... We've got Dragon Quest Builders. We've got the uh, the remakes on the 3DS. We also have uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2. So to me, that's uh, that's a fairly good sign, and yes. um, and I, I'm I'm hoping that we get the Switch version as well because that would make it so much easier for me. And I'm quite curious if they're going to keep the uh, the cross save stuff with the PS4 and 3DS things intact if they're lo- if it's localized because it's more I don't know I, w- I would feel that Dragon Quest it doesn't have the, the big of enough impact outside of Japan as so I don't know if they're gonna like with Nintendo of America and Sony would they like keep this in would they promote it and cross promote the games or just I don't know I don't know it's just quite hazy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm thinking for North America and this is this is me speculation I mean whatever but I could actually see them not working together but instead Nintendo saying you know what give us Dragon Quest 11 on the Switch and we'll do a cross save from the Switch to the 3DS version yeah that will make a lot that will make more sense uh, internationally yeah You're right yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, I, and I think that that's very plausible to happen now Last thing I want to say about Dragon Quest XI is the fact that uh, the Switch version was missing in action, and I was very, very surprised by that. Considering that we had a Nintendo Direct on April 12th, and the news broke of uh, of Dragon Quest XI's release date, I think it was like maybe 24 to 48 hours earlier, I was figuring, oh, well, you know, I guess they're going to hold out on the Switch version until the Direct. But then the Direct came and went, and the Japanese Direct did have Dragon Quest news, but it wasn't Dragon Quest Eleven. it was Dragon Quest X news, and it was very interesting news, actually. They basically said that if you have Dragon Quest X on the Wii, you will be able to upgrade to the Switch version at no cost. Oh, wow. That's 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 quite good. That's a that's a nice offer actually. Isn't it? I was like, yeah. yeah. And I think the reason why they did that is because if you're still playing on the Wii, that means you are like one hell of a hardcore Dragon Quest fan. For those that don't know, Dragon Quest 10 originally launched for the Wii and now it's available on a, you know, multitude of systems. But I thought that was a really nice gesture for Square Enix to basically say, you know, thank you to the fans that, you know, helped launch this game and are still playing it. Here's a little gift. You'll be able to upgrade to the Switch version at no cost. And I, I really, I, I like clapped for that. I was like, good job, guys. That's excellent. And also, I think they'll have to. I think this is like the only workaround regarding um, discontinuing the Wii version eventually, right? And, and not updating it because they're going to be going for the Switch 
version more likely. Yeah, yeah that's actually exactly what's already been announced is okay. that they will be discontinuing the uh, sorry, the Wii support as of version 4. So version 3.0 hit my goodness, I want to say like over a year ago now. It's it's been a while. And so version 4 should be coming out sometime later this year, probably like September, October-ish, something like that. I'm sure there's going to be Dragon Quest events, you know, like crazy in Japan around July 29th. So I'm sure we're going to hear about the latest expansion. And also, there's supposed to be a PS4 and Switch version. So, you know, I want to see those because they're supposed to be significantly improved graphics, which since I play on the PC version, obviously they'll just release a patch and, and I'll be good to go. So I'm really looking forward to that, really looking forward to Dragon Quest Eleven, and uh, and now we can begin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. For all the listeners out there, I'm going to run down sort of in blocks a little bit of the news that hit from the April 12th Nintendo Direct. Now, I'm not going to regurgitate every single thing in terms of features and stuff like that. It's more going to be about um, some of the release dates and, and some of the things that I'm interested in. And what I'll do is I'll shut up every like maybe two or three games and then you can go ahead and chime in and let me know if you know if you want to add anything if you think I'm crazy if there's if I didn't talk about a game and you're like oh man that actually looks awesome so we'll go like that all right sounds good okay so they started off with a bunch of 3ds announcements and my thoughts on this before I even talk about the announcements was I was pleasantly surprised by all the different things that they spoke about because the 3DS is a really, really successful platform and it looks like it's going to have a really great year. So I was, I was very, very impressed by that. Were you, uh, were you surprised by some of the stuff that they, uh, they announced or at least the support that they, sh- they're showing the system? Yes, yes, I, I was. And they did say initially that they want to make 2017 a really great year for the 3DS despite the Switch's launch, but I did not expect it to be this robust, in my opinion, just like you, exactly like you mentioned. Uh, reason being is that it's, it's going, it's, it's end of life support, but it's really impressive end of life support, unlike the Wii U's, uh, sudden, uh, discontinuation, I would say. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome and robust. I don't know if, I, if, it's gonna be hard for me getting out from the Switch and, and going back to my 3DS for these certain games, but I really do what, some of them are very enticing. Yeah, precisely. That's exactly how I feel, where I'm like, yeah. oh man, like, I, I'm, I am certainly going back, and some of these I already have on pre-order. Okay, so they started off with that Pikmin platformer, and I mean, we'll talk a little bit about this because I'm curious to see what you think of this. Now, for those that don't know, I don't recall what it was originally referred to, like when it was announced last year, or, or yeah, it was definitely last year. I don't remember if it was just called Pikmin 3DS or something like that, most likely, but it's a, a platformer, and it looks really unique, and now it's called Hey Pikmin, and it launches on July 28th, and it's I'll, I'll talk about the Amiibo stuff later, but it has an accompanying uh, Amiibo. Now, my question to you is, what do you think about this? Because Nintendo's done this before, where they've taken other other series and they've made platformers, but they haven't been 
stellar. You know what I mean? They've been like solid sixes or sevens, seven point fives. In other words, good games, but not great. And this title, just from like the trailer that they showed, I was like, yeah, I can see this falling into that sort of category. And that's funny because that's exactly what Steven was telling me. Uh, initially, when the idea was pitched, I was, I, it didn't uh, for me. I didn't feel that it would be a good one on paper, but the more footage I, I'm seeing of it, the more I'm like, okay, this is it could work well as a platformer. I'm sure a lot of Pikmin fans scream blasphemy, like, oh no, why did well, Pikmin now is ruined and Nintendo ruined Pikmin? But I like it when sometimes franchises step out of their comfort zone and become like uh, unique and successful even though it, like you said it, it, it might not be the greatest platformer of all time but it might be something pretty good and pretty fun to play yeah yeah exactly and i'm hoping i'm hoping so because that's one where i i'm interested in that now we've got Ever Oasis, which was well, not was, but which is going to launch uh, June twenty third. I don't really have too much to say on that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to the next two announcements. But feel free after to chime in and, and tell me I'm crazy. Uh, it looks good. Ever Oasis looks interesting, but I still want to get a little bit more information on that. And I think that's one I won't pre order or anything. I think I'm gonna wait for that and see what people say. Uh, then there's Monster Hunter Stories, which was, you know, surprising that it is coming here. And it's going to launch sometime this fall. And another game that's going to launch sometime this fall is Yokai Watch Psychic Specters, which is the third version of Yokai Watch 2. And that's interesting as well, because Steven has been a huge fan of that, but Yokai Watch 2 didn't really review that well with the mainstream press. So I was surprised to see that the third version is actually going to get released in North America and Europe and everywhere else. But what's interesting is now, I guess, Yokai Watch 3 will actually get released in North America if they're, if they seem to be releasing all of the games, which is kind of surprising. So there you go. Uh, with Ever Oasis, even though, like you, um, there's not a lot of information regarding the game and, and there are some, uh, I think Nintendo Directs that maybe the ones that last year that when they first announced it, they went in, in depth, but I, I intentionally like, uh, stepped away and didn't, like, follow it much but i am very very excited for that one the most because the developer the grezzo they made the ports for the uh Karina of time and uh, majora's mask and i'm starting to become a fan of them and obviously the head is koji ishii the guy who made the mana series so i'm just i'm really really hyped for this even though i'm not a big mana fan I'm, but i'm i'm a very big admirer of the mana games so i'm excited for ever wastes the most i might maybe go on that day one uh, and also the um, uh, setting seems to be very interesting. Uh, with um, Yokai Watch, uh, the more level 5 games, the better, but I haven't gotten into Yokai Watch yet. I do want to. I'm a huge fan of the developer, obviously. Uh, last game I played and loved was Fantasy Life for the 3DS. I, I, I put in a, like a million hours into that. I, I didn't like, I couldn't believe that it, it engrossed me that much. This small little handheld game that could and it, it did really well with me. It, it, it like touched, it touched me. I, I loved it. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if you played, uh, Fantasy Life, but it's worth a playthrough in your free time. Okay. So never. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> you sh- you should, you should. What's the third one again? The third one was, uh, Monster Hunter Stories. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad that Capcom is supporting Monster Hunter just as Square Enix is supporting Dragon Quest. It's one of those, like, Japanese, 
games that really blew up over there. And uh, again, it's surprising every every time they release an iteration in North America or, or overseas, maybe it's selling better than I perceive it to be, but it's nice to see. Yeah, uh, righty. And you just reminded me of something. The Mana series, I don't know if you saw this, but the first three entries are actually getting released on the Switch in a, in a sort of collection. I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm debating whether or not to pick that up because it really depends on when it launches. Because that, that for me that was absolutely uh, that was a cool announcement because I didn't play these first Mana games. I, I got into the Mana games with Legend of Mana for the PS One. That was my first one. Uh, so I don't know if they it, it's going to be really difficult to localize, obviously. But I really hope they they do something. Like everybody now on Twitter is sort of like pushing Square to please like try to localize it. You know? Yeah, because the thing is. From my understanding, they are localizing the remake of Mana 3 on the Vita and I think it was iOS and Android and, and stuff like that. Um, cause that was just recently announced. Actually, last week, I think it was that. Oh, wow. The, yeah, that, well, I don't know about the Vita version, but I know that the mobile version is going to come out in uh, North America and Europe. So to me, I'm like, okay, guys, well, you know, Mana 1, we already have a localized version. Mana 2, we already have a localized version. The only one we're missing is Mana, Mana 3. 3. So it I don't know how much work or, or how much of an investment that really would cost them to to release that outside of Japan. So this could be this could be one to watch. I don't think this year, but potentially next year. So Either way, for me, I, I'm debating. I'm debating whether or not to to import that. Because right now, a friend of mine, I think I, I don't know if the video is out yet, but um, a friend of mine picked me up I Am Setsuna. And, oh, nice. Yeah, and wait till you see the video. If you Yeah, it's not out. It comes out on Monday, the video. It's basically a joke video that I released. So by the time this airs, everyone will have seen it. But the joke is that you don't have to do any work in order to import games on the Switch. All you do is buy the game, plunk it in your system, and get this. If the game has been released outside of Japan or in your local territory, it automatically converts the game to whatever language it is that you have your your Switch set to. Wow! Yeah. Props to Nintendo for doing this, like a, a one, a complete one eighty for what they were doing before. Yeah, seriously, and and I loved it. Like I thought it was amazing. I mean, if you look at the box art for I Am Setsuna, I mean, it's all in Japanese, right? And even the little game cartridge, all in Japanese. But the second you plunk it in, it just transforms and says I Am Setsuna, and I I just laughed and I was like, this is freaking awesome. So that's pretty cool. And why that's cool? for those that don't know, is because this actually changes the future of importing on the Switch. And, and hear me out here. So let's say that I purchased the Mana series, right? And of course, it's going to be in Japanese because it hasn't been released here. But you know what happens when it does get released here? Well, all of a sudden, my Japanese game becomes English. I don't need to buy it again. Yeah. And yeah, that's the, that basically <laughs> cuts a lot of losses. It saves you a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. So for me, that's one of the coolest features I've ever seen. I'm like, this is friggin' wicked. So 
that's going to definitely be something to uh, to watch out for. Okay, so moving on here, I'm going to do another three games, and I've got nothing nothing at all to really say about any of these. There's Cultsep Revolt launches August 29th, RPG Maker Fez launches June 27th, and Metopia launches late 2017. I got nothing for any of those. The the only thing that kind of impressed me when I was looking at RPG Maker. I'm not a fan of any of these, but I, I do know that it's a very long-running series and people love making their own RPGs, is they did a nice feature in which you can download like a free version of the game and you could actually, this free version will allow you to uh, play the uh, other creations that people made on the actual RPG Maker. So I, I love that feature. I might not get the full game, but I might try this free version and, and see what other people created. So that that's a very smart idea. Well, and I am so glad you're here because I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so good. Yeah, no, that's actually pretty cool. I forgot about that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give that a go. I mean, if it's a free download, pff, why not, right? Yeah. Okay, so next Three things. I'm going to change the order of which they were they were discussed. Uh, there is a Bye Bye Box Boy, which actually launched after the presentation. That's the final of the three. Uh, it's a trilogy, and it was actually made by Hal, which was pretty cool. I can't really say anything about it because I I haven't played it myself. Um, the next one that I wanted to discuss was Fire Emblem Echoes. They basically said there's going to be a season pass, and if you've ever played any of the more recent Fire Emblem games, you'll know that they're typically DLC heavy. Like there's a lot of different maps they release and things like that. So it may be worth purchasing. There was no price information or even a release date. It's, you know, to be announced later on. Um, and you know what? I'll let you comment on those two things before we jump into the next. Um, uh, regarding Fire Emblem, uh, I don't know, uh, remind me, does the, the Echoes game, uh, it features like a new thing in which you could like tra- traverse dungeons and whatnot instead of like having static maps only? Yeah, that's right. Think of it like, yeah. think of it like, uh, like a dungeon crawler, except that when you get into battle, it goes into the classic Fire Emblem. I I really really like I, that idea. I, I feel that's one of these. It's one of the missing things in the in the series, and it will be quite interesting to play. Even though like I'm I'm not a huge fan, but I got into Awakening very very heavily. I think that was my first uh, like Fire Emblem game that I got into uh, really heavily until I got stuck somewhere because I'm not like it's good. I know Steven is huge on Fire Emblem. I'm sure he like finished that on normal and whatnot. Uh on regarding Bye Bye Box Boy, I played the first one. I liked it. It's it's one of these games that can easily be a mobile game. I, I I'm cu- I really hope like Nintendo ports all these into like uh, iOS and Android because they really fit the mobile spectrum in my opinion. It's fun to play. Oh cool. Cool. Yeah. I, I've never I've never checked any of those ones out for uh, Box Boy, but Fire Emblem, oh hell yes! I'm one of the few people who has that whole series. Been importing that for years and years and years. Uh, okay, so the last thing that they talked about for the 3DS was to uh, basically like a celebration for Kirby first 25th anniversary. And so there was three games that were announced, and this is going to be all you because. My history with Kirby, it's one of my my embarrassing moments for Nintendo being a Nintendo fan. I have not played that many Kirby games, and I, I say this over and over again, but every time a virtual console gets released, I've actually started playing more 
more and more Kirby games. So the three that uh, were announced, there was Team Kirby Clash Deluxe, which launched right after the presentation, apparently. Uh, Kirby's Blowout Blast, which launches summer 2017. And then they announced, listen to this, how early this is, new multiplayer action game set for release sometime in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we didn't see footage regarding the last one, right? Yeah, that's Only right. The first no, two. They, they, I mean, yeah. clearly it's like still like in concept phase. So yeah. go ahead. You can comment on this because I, I don't yeah. really know what any of these games are. Yeah. Uh, again, what I like about the Kirby series in general is they love stepping outside of their comfort zone. And it shows with this celebration. Like all of these don't seem like your typical uh, Kirby game 2D platformer that you're used to. Um, I don't, I'm, I, I, again, I'm, I'm hazy on the details, but I think the, the Clash Team one was, is, that was, it had like an online feature and you could like b- battle bosses and whatnot. That looked interesting, but maybe not my forte currently. I'm interested in the overhead one. That looks very interesting because you could like go in, in a 3D space and usually Kirby, like we don't get a lot of like 3D Kirby games nowadays. So that, that should be an interesting one to go through. Cool. And that pretty much wraps up the 3DS portion. And now we've got a bunch of stuff for the Switch. Now, Nintendo being Nintendo, they're, they're, they're a funny group because they, they like to remind you of certain things that are coming up, which of course everyone would do that. But overall, I'm not a huge, how can I say this? I tried Splatoon for like literally a couple of minutes because I was having a lot of trouble getting online when they had that, I think it was called the test fire for Splatoon 2. But just the controls of it, I was like, oh boy, this is not really for me. And ARMS doesn't, like it looks fun, it looks like a fun diversion, that or diversion rather, that I would play if I had more friends that uh, that were around. But everybody is so busy all the time. Like it's a, it's a type of game that I think maybe 15 years ago, I would have had a good time with friends on the sofa, just, you know, du- duking it out. But right now, I don't know how much or if any use I would get out of ARMS and Splatoon 2. So because of that, I was, I don't want to say underwhelmed. I wasn't underwhelmed by the showing because, I mean, they only talked about stuff essentially that goes up to summer. There was like one or two games that were for later on in the year. But for the most part, they were talking about like immediate releases. And obviously they have E3 right around the corner. So I don't want to say I was disappointed. I wasn't disappointed. I don't know what I was. I wasn't thrilled because, like I said, for me, ARMS and Splatoon 2 are most likely going to be two games that I don't get. So if I don't get those, then obviously the rest of the stuff that they announced was was good. It just, you know, it didn't didn't freak me out. But I think that's what obviously E3 is for. So overall, what did you think of the Switch showing? Um, uh, I'm I'm similar to your impressions in in which because I'm not a big fan of both like games and Splatoon franchise. I'm also not a huge fan of. Yeah, I didn't play the first one. Uh, it's a bit my impressions or my hype is a bit uh, mellowed out but in the same time uh compared to the initial alar- announcement of arms i really liked what they're trying to do it's more complex than i imagined i thought it would be like this basic rock and sock I and mean, you pick up and play and that's it you don't think about much but they added more like complexity with the type of arms that you pick 
and how you defeat your enemy and how you could distance yourself and how you could go close and each character has different abilities so it's more complex than I expected and obviously you know that I'm uh, I, I, I'm I'm into like local multiplayer so this will be something interesting to play with my wife or my uh, my cousins or my nieces or whatnot so I'm interested in that more than Splatoon 2 but I did like that they're adding like a campaign into Splatoon 2 they're, they're, they're putting like more depth into it so that was also a cool thing uh, they did uh, I don't know if you should cover this but they announced with arms the battery pack mm-hmm. extender for the uh, uh, Joy-Cons I don't know how practical that I don't know if we asked for that what, what do you think of that thing yeah well well that's it yeah. so I mean, we're not going to talk about Splatoon 2 or ARMS anymore because you just did an excellent job. I just want to add that ARMS launches, they, they officially confirmed that ARMS launches June 16th and Splatoon 2 launches July uh, 21st. But yeah, exactly. So they also announced, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that there will be a double A battery pack that coincides with the launch of ARMS. Um, and also that there is going to be a neon yellow Joy-Con set that's going to also be released on June 16th. So, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting that like you say, you know, we didn't really ask for that and I'm I'm actually wondering well, even more than ask for that is is it something that we even need? And and I I I get it that if you are playing Arms, obviously this is why they're releasing this. Because the game requires you... Well, that's not true. Apparently, you can even use the Pro Controller. But my understanding is to get the, the, the greatest use out of the game, you have to hold each Joy-Con in your hand separately. And I guess it takes a lot out of the, the Joy-Con. Maybe maybe the rumble is like constantly going on. I, I'm just perplexed because... What this is, is a battery pack. So you can change AA batteries as you're playing. So you don't need to recharge. That's essentially what it is. So you can just play constantly over and over and over again. But they look rather bulky, which I I guess wouldn't really be a big deal if you're using them for arms where you're holding it, you know, like... It can be bulky. It doesn't really... I don't see it really mattering. uh, matter. But the weird thing to me is, like, the Joy-Cons seem to last forever. So yeah. that's what I don't understand. Did they announce a price, by the way? No, they those? did not. No price. I'm um, well, I'm curious how much would they co- how would those cost? Like it should be cheap, but you know Nintendo with accessories. Yeah, probably eighty bucks. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but but no, honestly, I mean, come on, it's a piece of plastic where you put two batteries. Like, give me a break. If that thing is yeah. more than, like, 20 bucks, even that's kind of, like, overkill. Even that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would I would price it at 10 or 15. Yeah, it, yeah. But knowing Nintendo, it'll probably be twenty nine ninety nine or something like that. Um, oh, the, wow. the yellow Joy-Con, will obviously, will be the same price as... Uh, as all the other ones, and um, I'm I'm okay with what I have. I have the gray, you know, the whatever it is, the gray boring one. Is that the one you got, or did you get the neon one? Uh, I got the gray one. Yeah, you see, us old timers, <laughs> we're <laughs> <Classic>. boring. 
<laughs> so outside of that, um, they did a very quick, Nintendo did a very quick recap on uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final challengers. And for those that don't know, Mario Kart hits April 28th and Street Fighter hits May 26th. Now, I know you're going to have a lot to say about Mario Kart, so I'm going to let you say your your piece on that. But for me, this is probably going to be the one Mario Kart game I play a lot of because I have not played much Mario Kart in years. And it's because of the reason that I haven't been playing many games a lot over the last couple of years is that... I just don't have much time, you know? And when I when I would look at, say, like Mario Kart 8, it's like, well, yeah, but there was other things, right? And if I don't have access to the local multiplayer and it's like, well, you know, I could be playing a nice story-driven RPG in the little time I have... Like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in that direction, but here things change now, because now I can bring the fun to other players. Like I've actually used the tabletop mode quite a lot when I go to someone's house or whatever. Oh really? Yeah, because they don't have any games because you know they've got their kids, they've got everything else, and they're super super busy. So like Bomberman. Uh, what I do is I give them a Joy-Con, and we have our little screen, and we're we're battling one another with a Joy-Con, and it's been flipping awesome. And I even managed to convince one of my friends to purchase, uh, I was going to say we a Switch, just because of the tabletop mode. And I might be one of the only people in the world to actually be using the tabletop mode, but yeah, seriously, it's pretty cool. So with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, I'm really, really looking forward to... To that now, unfortunately, with Street Fighter Two, it's you, you can't, you know, really, truly, you're not going to use the Joy-Con to play <laughs> Street Fighter Two. Do you realize how brutal that would be in tabletop mode? It would be well, we might try it just for 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 laughs, but we'll see. Yeah, with uh, with Street Fighter Two, just to uh, extend uh, your impressions on those, I just, I just don't like as much as I like the concept of the project. The execution seems terrible for me, especially since the price point is just I don't know. I think they cost thirty five or forty. It's just absolutely like I feel it's a rip off because they it's it's the same game as HD Remix with a couple of modifications here and there with the uh, engine, the game engine. And the balance of the, the the fighters, and they added obviously the two extra fighters. It, it's not worth that price. It's not. It's really not. So I'm just baffled by how they executed it. And like you said, it it doesn't feel that you can't. You really can't play it with the Joy-Con. You really need a good D-pad for that or an arcade stick. Obviously, they're gonna make one, an arcade stick for the Switch. But come on, I don't know. I, outside of the the competitive uh, tournament players, who's gonna be playing like Switch with an arcade stick? <laughs> not not really a lot of people there. Uh, with Mario Kart Eight, um, it's it's really I I would say it's it's it, one of the big contingencies that people are talking about that there's. A, more negative than positive impressions on is the fact that everything is unlocked. Uh, I, for you, that's a really 
positive for you because you don't need to grind to unlock the courses. You don't need to grind to unlock the characters. So you can just go pick it up, play with your friends or pick it up online or, or local multiplayer and you have everything unlocked except for the uh, carts and the wheels and the gliders and whatnot. These, uh, these are unlockable via coins. But in the same time, the fact that they, they, they kept everything intact and everything unlocked, that's a big people for a big advantage for just people who want to pick up and play. So for me, I like that idea. Even as a big Mario Kart fan, I'm glad that they did this. It's it's overdue, so every, especially since there's a lot of content in Mario Kart 8. They put it. They put all the DLC and whatnot. Uh, as you know, the the reason why I'm double dipping. Uh, a lot of people think that it's more of a rip off and more of an enhanced port from the Wii version. But for me, the, the battle mode. That's the only reason I'm double dipping because. The battle mode with eight on the Wii U was absolutely terrible. Like they dropped the ball with that. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, you know the weird thing about it. I'm, I'm looking for a very very specific thing. Uh, you you also can recall this, Jared. The older battle modes for the older Mario Kart games. There were sudden death type battle modes. The balloon battle in which you, uh, as soon as your balloons are over, you're done. You're out of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the newer ones, after I think the DS or the Weaver, the Wii installment, they started going for a more time-based battle mode, in which the 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 guy who the person who pops the most balloon wins. Mm-hmm. And even if your balloons are over, you just drop back into the uh, game with three balloons intact. They they, they reset your balloons. So um, they ha- as much they have a lot of customizable rules sets for the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Uh, and obviously different battle mode types aside from brutal battle, but I haven't found anybody who was talking about, hey, uh, is, can you make it sudden death again? Can you disable the timer completely and make it sudden death with at least four players? I, I know that it, uh, Mario Kart 8, the, 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 the complexity is that if you have eight people on the battlefield with balloon battle and you don't have a timer and you, it's sudden death, it's very chaotic. It doesn't work. The design doesn't work. So I'm, I understand why they, they made it time based, but I just wish they could, we could, like, if I can have four players, uh, split screen or four player online with the sudden death rules intact. I haven't seen anybody cover this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't yeah. know. And I knew, I, was, I knew you were going to buy this, like, for sure, just because of the battle mode. I knew that yeah. right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just because they dropped the ball with the battle mode for the past mark couple of Mario Kart 8 games this one looks very promising and they got back the uh, I love that they got back the feather from Super Mario Kart I mean that was very unexpected <laughs> yeah no exactly and, and like I said like for me like I'm I'm genuinely excited about this like Steven keeps telling me oh don't buy it you're not going to be playing it's competitive multiplayer and you're not really a fan and it's true I'm not like lately I well lately the last like decade I really haven't been um, into those type of games at all but the thing is that like you know, even with Bomberman, I'm finding myself going online and playing more and more and more online matches and oh, stuff nice. like that. And the reason why is because I have access to it everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's, I'm telling you, like, the Switch is really changing the way I play games and it's blowing my mind. Do you like the fact that everything is unlocked in the game? For you. For me, I don't know. And that's the truth. Yeah. I'm not sure. Because will, like, what happens if, Steven's right, and I don't play much online and stuff like that, then where's my incentive to keep playing? 
Yeah, the only incentive I think is that they have uh, rankings, but that's not a big incentive in Mario Kart. But uh, the only incentive, I think also, it should be that... Uh, oh, sorry about no, that. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. It should be that uh, you can unlock um, the, uh, like I said, the customizable Mario Kart 8, the parts, the wheels and the... Uh, uh, the cart itself and the glider via coins. So I think you could gather coins in one of the modes online. So I think that counts toward you unlocking something. But previously you used to, you, you had to grind through single player to unlock the courses and the characters. So that's what I'm asking is now that you don't need to grind. Is that like a big advantage for you? You could just jump in online immediately or you, are you missing the single player grind? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting thing to see. And it's, you know, it comes out in just a, what, like two weeks or something like that at the time of this recording. Yeah. So I'll get back to you on that because that's going to be very interesting to actually see because I don't know. Okay. Now, one thing I wanted to add with your Street Fighter comment, because it was a great comment, and it's I, I already know I'm going to review the game, and I, I'm going to do exactly what I did with Bomberman. And my Bomberman... Trash it. My, my Bomberman <laughs> review goes up, uh, let's see, I said this is on the 23rd, so it's actually been two days ago. On the 21st, uh, my Bomberman review goes up, and Bomberman's a very fun game. I don't know, if, have you played it yet? Uh, no, I, I really do want to, but Zelda's taking a lot of my time. Yeah, exactly. Um, with, but I want to. With your buddies, though, and, and your family, uh, you, they'll have a really good time with it. It's not a perfect Bomberman, and it's not the best Bomberman. But some of the things that I really like with it is that just by the very nature of the Switch, you have two-player access immediately, anywhere you go yeah. so you can have tabletop mode you can have uh, two people like at home on the same tv like i really really like that but again again it's the price it's extremely expensive for what it is you could get bomberman which lasts for maybe five hours i i'm purposely trying not to play anymore because i want to see the internal clock of the uh, switch i want to see i have to wait 10 days before it activates and i'm really curious to see how much time i've invested in there because I did do some multiplayer, but I'm purposely holding back because I want to see if the campaign really is about three hours or four hours or five hours or, or what is it. And it's the same price that game as the Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5 HD remix. And I'm like, that that's way off like to me because Kingdom Hearts is giving you multiple games you know, like hours yeah. upon hours upon hours of of content and unreleased and unreleased content for uh, international players. Exactly. Okay. And here you're getting five hours. And yes, I understand it's it's a multiplayer game. I, I understand that. It's just that you know it was released. I think the last Bomberman like on PS3, Xbox 360, and it was like 20 bucks or 15 bucks, and it included mm. all that stuff. So that's why I'm kind of like, ah, uh, and with Street Fighter, I'm looking right now. So in American dollars, it's 39.88, so that means 39.99, but listen to the Canadian price. 49.99. Oh, come on. Yeah, man. I'm like Oh, come on. I'm like I I went on my PS3 and I can get Ultra, uh, not Ultra, but what is it? It's a Street Fighter 2 HD Remix for $14.99. That's insane. Yeah. That is, that is, that is absolutely insane. Asinine, actually. It is. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and I look at that yeah. and I'm like, okay, there's something seriously wrong here. Like, uh, I just don't see how, I just don't see how they can justify this. So 
I'm 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 purposely buying this because I want to review this. <laughs> like yeah. I know some people think I'm crazy, but I really want to review this because I want to say that, you know, don't buy this at this price. And that was my conclusion with Bomberman. With Bomberman was that it's a really fun game and I really I do recommend it, but it's I can't recommend it at this price. It's just it's too expensive. Okay, so Let's jump ahead. Again, I've got a couple of things here that I don't really have much to say. There's Minecraft Switch Edition launches May 11th. That was a surprise for me. Uh, It comes with a whole bunch of different Nintendo-specific goodies. But again, for me, Minecraft, I've never gotten into it. So I don't... I got got nothing. I got nothing! Did you ever... (laughs) uh, Did you ever get into Minecraft? No, I I, I was close because they... Did put like split screen for the uh, when they ported it to our consoles, but I didn't really get into it and then get and then buy the game. Yeah, so I don't know, but but that is a surprise announcement in the fact that it's coming so soon. I had no clue that Minecraft was coming to yeah. Switch. Apparently, it's easy, easy to port for the system. Yeah, which okay, cool. That there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, Samurai Showdown. Four launched well this past week on the thirteenth, and there's been a lot of Neo games getting released. I haven't actually picked up any of them, um, and I don't really know why they. I guess they just spoke of these next two games just to show you like a little bit of features and stuff uh, or some gameplay footage. But there was Sonic Forces hits this holiday season, and Sonic Mania launches summer 2017. Now I know you're going to want to talk about those two games, so go ahead. Uh, with forces, uh, I don't have much to say because everything has been a teaser, but it does look like it has the generations vibe in terms of gameplay. What I'm interested in, they're teasing for a third character. Like they have Sonic and they have classic Sonic and there's a third silhouette. And we don't know who the hell this character can be. It's, it's, it, is it an alternate Sonic? Is it, everybody's joking around on Twitter. I found it very funny because the silhouette looks very similar to Bubsy. So everybody's putting Bubsy in. <laughs> <laughs> and the Sega forms are going crazy. They're buying Bubsy games right now. It's, it's insane. It's quite hilarious, actually. <laughs> so now, uh, imagine if it's Bubsy. Everybody would be, what? What the hell? Where, that, where did Bubsy come from? <laughs> that would be absolutely awesome. I would go, I would go crazy because I, I did play Bubsy back in the day. But I didn't like it much. It was very frustrating to play, but I, I was like intrigued. But <laughs> it would be very funny if they revived Bubsy in this manner. Um, with uh, Sonic Mania, I can't wait because it's just a, a labor of love. Even the, the Sega, the publishers, even though they're not making the game, they're, they're handing over to uh, fans who have built like a Sonic engine. And uh, it's, I think it's called Christian Whitehead. He made the Sonic CD port and the Sonic uh, two port for the um, uh, mobiles and everybody's been praising like no tomorrow because with Sonic 2 the port for the mobile exclusive one they he added a a, a unreleased level in a very very smart way the hidden palace zone or something of that sort so that was pretty cool that he managed to do that so they're very capable and it every time i see the, the gameplay and I, I listen to the soundtrack it's it's getting better and better with the more i get back to it with uh, with the impression so i can't wait for that game yeah me too actually that one that yeah. one i'm really looking forward to and it's it's funny but this is going to be the first time in many many years that I will be buying my third party games on the Switch just because I can take him with me and I'm 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 so so excited for that. That looks absolutely awesome. Yeah, same here. Okay, so now there's a lot of there's a lot of other stuff that they announced that 
pretty sure we could go through rather quickly. There was Project Mekuru, which launches in summer 27. It's sort of like a puzzle game of sorts. There's Fate Extella, the Umbral Star, which launches uh, July 25th. And it was previously released on the PS4 and Vita in January. It's a little action game. Uh, we've got Disgaea 5 Complete, they confirmed, was May 23rd for the release date. Puyo Puyo Tetris, they launched a demo right after the presentation, which I downloaded, but I have not tried. I'm going to pick that game up for sure, just because I'm a big fan of both Puyo Puyo and of Tetris, so that'll be a fun one to just have. Um, anything you want to add on those? No, nothing much. It's just I'm interested in. Uh, I haven't been interested in Tetris in a long while, but this one, the Puyo Puyo one, I, I'm not a fan of the Puyo Puyo, but I do love Tetris. Uh, I'm curious to try, check that, that that one out, especially. Yeah, don't forget, download the demo. Oh yeah, it's out. I didn't know. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's uh, yeah, I'll check that out. See how both gameplay styles would be meshed into one. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing because if I don't actually like it, then obviously I will cancel my pre-order. Uh, they also announced Monopoly that will launch later this fall. Uh, there's Rayman Legends Definitive Edition comes sometime later this year. And then, well, actually, let me, let me go through. There's a couple other things. There's Battle Chasers launches summer 2017. Payday 2 launches 2017. Namco Museum launches summer 2017. And there's one other game. Of all those games, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, they're all games that have been released elsewhere or have come out or will be coming out or that I don't even know what the heck they are. But there's one game that they did announce that was rumored to be coming out. And that's, and I have no idea how you pronounce it. I think it's called Sign Mora. And it's Sign Mora EX. And it's coming out this summer. And this was an excellent shoot 'em up that was released in 2012 for a whole buttload of different platforms and i am extremely happy that the developer is saying like this will be the definitive best version and i can't wait for that yeah sign more I, as soon as i saw that it's, it, i said it's, it's right up your alley because you do love your shoot 'em ups right damn right so i was <laughs> uh I, i'm really looking forward to that the only joke with like uh, when I, I I found funny when they were like they announced Monopoly. There's a couple of comments on Twitter like when you advertise Monopoly, that means you don't have much to show. Not true necessarily, but <laughs> I found that a bit funny. Yeah, well, I think I think that is true. You know, like right now there really isn't much. I mean, they have a lot of download stuff, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They have some indies. They have and they do have some good stuff coming out. But yeah, I I think up until E3. I think that's exactly, that's a fair statement. I, I think that, you know, there really isn't that much stuff uh, coming out. And I'm really, really excited for E3. I think, honestly, a large portion of the Switch's future success will ride on that E3. Because we have seen so many games getting announced lately, like the Disney Afternoon Channel or Afternoon, whatever it was. Um, all these different titles it's the only one i can think of from the top of my head but not seeing the switch logo like at the announcement is is really it's been really perplexing especially for that one game i don't understand what the hell and i'm really hoping that at e3 
they come out swinging and they say, you know what? Yes, we just wanted to save the announcements uh, for for E3, but here you go. These are all the games that we got coming out because it's it's not funny, you know. Like a game like that, like the, what is it actually called? The Disney Afternoon Collection. Collection, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Like that has to be on Switch. Like it just has to be. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was like funny. I was watching an IGN interview with the senior producer at Capcom America, and they're talking as if the Switch doesn't exist. Like they're talking about the game, and yeah, the classic Nintendo games, and nobody's bringing up, "Hey, where's the Nintendo Switch version?" Yeah, did, <laughs> that was very f- a funny interview to watch. Did you see on uh, on Twitter? No, like they got blasted, man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They did. And, You're and right. And I'm one of them. I, I went and I was like, how could you not release this on the Switch? Like, like, just could someone please reply to me and just like give me the logic here? <laughs> because and, and and the thing is, and in, in today's world, not a lot of people are willing to wait for for long. If I if I have both consoles, the PS4 and the Switch, and I'm for me, I, I I've grown up with these sort of games, especially Chip and Dale and and, and Darkwing Duck and Ducktales. If the Switch version doesn't come. Soon, I'm gonna go for the PS4 version. I'm not gonna wait. I'm, I'm, this, honestly, that's the truth. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. And yeah. and and that's the thing. So that's why I'm saying, like, I really truly believe that. And and we'll probably, hopefully, I'll be able to get you on this show like uh, quite a few times here because I, I had a blast today. This has been great. Um, yeah, it's been fun. So I'm really hoping that we can do like an E3 sort of predictions type of thing because to me, oh yeah, to me something has to be in the works here it has to be because if they come out at e3 and they do not talk about games like that then i i'm 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 at a loss i'm like guys like you are actually doing really well right now like don't stop like stop making stupid mistakes and we're going to actually talk about one of those mistakes in just a minute here i actually have to write it down because i almost forgot about it there we yeah, go. I'm, I'm waiting for you to talk about I know what you're going to talk about, but yeah, I want you to open up that topic. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was actually, these two things were actually the topic of the show. So to finish off with the, 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 the direct, they announced that there will be spare Switch docks will be released on May 19th. And hopefully they're going to make that really, really simple because I've heard it's not as simple as some people have thought. Now, I I tried to find where I read about this, but essentially it's like if you buy a, another dock and you want to dock a system to say your bedroom and and somewhere else or whatever, um, it wasn't as simple as just connecting it and sliding the system down. And I can't find where I read that, so maybe it was you know I was hallucinating and and oh really yeah there was something to do with syncing that you could only sync it to one dock at a time. And I was like, that'd be weird. Yeah, it was really weird. And that's why, like, that, that could be a a Jared BS type of thing because I tried looking for it and I, I couldn't find it anywhere. But the, for me, I don't need another dock. Uh, same here. Like, there's no point, but I, I can understand why they would do that. And it's still kind of cool because if you live in a house where, you know, you have multiple TVs and you prefer to play on the TV, that's a pretty cool thing. So. 
There you go. Okay. Yeah, and hope and hopefully the dock, the extra dock comes with its own charger and uh, its own HDMI cable, and they charge it all in one go instead of you like having having to look for an extra charger. Yeah, I, I really hope so. But knowing Nintendo, pff, who knows? Okay. Oh God. So the last, very, very, very last thing was a bunch of amiibo news. So I'm going to just go as fast as I can through this because it. There's really not too, too much to say. There's a Hey Pikmin amiibo that's going to uh, come out on July 28th. Then they finally announced the last three amiibos for Breath of the Wild, which will unlock the Skyward Sword armor set and the Fierce Deity uh, armor set. So we've got Majora's Mask Link, Twilight Princess Link, and Skyward Sword Link. And all three launch on June 23rd. So that's cool. I'm excited for that because I want to finish off all the different armor sets. Then we've got uh, some Splatoon Amiibo. They're going to release a three-pack, which will have new versions of the Inkling Girl, Inkling Boy, and Squid, and those will launch on July 21st. And, of course, Splatoon 2 is still compatible with all the previously released Splatoon Amiibos. And let's see, the last thing was we've got Cloud, Corrin, and Bayonetta, which will wrap up the Super Smash Bros., uh, amiibo set they're all going to be released on july 21st but interestingly and probably a, a sign pointing to the future they're going to release a a second version of each one of those three called player two and now some of these will be exclusive to different retailers which i absolutely can't stand because if you are a fan of amiibos that gets really annoying and jacks up prices like crazy but i did like the fact that like for corin there's the male and female version for bayonetta you get two different um outfits with her and for cloud you get the classic ffpf uh, ff7 ps1 version and then an advent children sort of version and i thought uh i thought that was pretty cool so that's it for amiibo feel free to add anything and then we'll jump into our topic of the show yeah like you i just hate the the exclusivity thing with the retailers i really hope that only applies to North America, not like in Canada or in the UK, where I'm at right now, because it's really annoying to hunt these down, especially when you're fans of them. Uh, I really, really want that Cloud Amiibo. I don't know why, because I know I wonder if it's gonna have some like outside function outside of Smash Brothers. I don't know where we're gonna be using it because it's really funny to me. It's still baffling to this very day that Final Fantasy VII has not been released on a Nintendo console and they have a Cloud Amiibo and they have Cloud on Smash Brothers. So I find that to be really weird. Me too. And it's <laughs> one of the main reasons why I want to pick up the Amiibo to be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it's so and, weird. Yeah. Am I going to use this later for something else? Is Final Fantasy going to be doing something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised though if they release something like Final Fantasy Worlds or something like that where it would have Amiibo support mm. or something. That, yeah, that, you're right. That, that, that makes sense. The World of Final Fantasy game, they might port yeah. that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, you're right. Okay, topic of the show time. Because, man, the podcast's already over an hour. This is great. All right, so two two big announcements were made, and it, it's part of news, but we can definitely have something to talk about this. Um, and it's the fact, first off, the good news, which is Nintendo announced that they have sold 906,000 Switch consoles in the United States of America. Now, that's interesting, because they did not say North America. That was exclusively U.S., and they also said that Breath of the Wild, again, exclusively in the U.S., sold 1.3 million units. 
925,000 copies on Switch and 460,000 copies on Wii U. Now that's fascinating because it means more people bought Zelda than own a Switch, which means it's a 100% sell-through or attach rate for the system. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty wild. Now, something that I thought was funny with this news, and it's something that Stephen and I were talking about um, yesterday, actually, was the fact that everyone's making this sound amazing and it is it's it's great news it's it's the the best selling fastest selling nintendo hardware ever and the fact that it launched in march not in the holiday period is a really big deal it is but no one is comparing this to any of the other platformers uh platforms and i thought that was kind of weird like for example do you even know the PS4 sold 1 million units in under 24 hours in North America? Wow, so it's faster than definitely much faster than the Switch. Exactly. And yet no one you know like no one's no one's making any of these sort of comparisons um which I just thought was weird. It was like, yeah, it's good and and don't get me wrong. I I I'm not I don't want to suggest like, oh, it's terrible. Gosh, ugh, what a what a piece of crap! Epic fail. No, not at all. Not at all. It's just I thought it was weird that no one is putting any of this into context. So it is it is doing great. It is it is doing phenomenal for a Nintendo platform. It's doing great, but compared to what and even the Xbox One, I forget what their sales figures were, but it was both of those, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 are still the you know, the the record holders. But here's some interesting information. There's an independent research group called Super Data or Super Data that um, has independently been looking at a whole bunch of sales figures from across the world. Now, again, you got to keep Keep this in mind that it's independent. So the numbers are most likely either ballooned or they're, they're conservative. It really depends. It really depends. So they're saying that from their data that they've been able to compile that the Switch has sold 2.4 million units in its first month at retail worldwide. That's very impressive. If it, uh, again, if we take it into face value. Yeah. And that's what I said. I was like, that, that is very impressive. If, if that holds true, that would be very, very, very impressive, all things considered. So I don't really have too much to say about this news, except for the fact that Nintendo needs to keep going now. They had a direct, which was great because it brought us to E3. And I think it was absolutely necessary because as people start to finish Zelda, they're going to want something else. And at least now we have an idea of what to expect until around July. And one would assume that at E3, we're going to have a much better idea to sort of say like, okay, now in autumn and in the holiday season, these are all the other games you guys can expect. And I'm pretty... I'm pretty scared that Mario will not make this holiday season. Yeah, there is always a possibility that we get this last second or last minute delay. Uh, again, it's it's always for the better. It, it works very well for Zelda, in my opinion. Uh, but if Mario skips this holiday, a lot of people will have a lot of things to play, especially since the competition is looming. Obviously, I don't want to talk about this much. Maybe we'll talk about it in our E3 predictions. But we got the Microsoft is going all out on Scorpio, and Sony has the PS4 Pro. So there is there is the competition going 
further and Nintendo has to look into the competition for consideration. Well, that's just it. And my biggest fear is what will happen in in like two years. That's what I'm I'm concerned about is like mm. even if 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 the Switch does well enough then it could be home to countless exclusives. You know, like just an unbelievable amount of exclusive titles because third parties may not want to take, you know, the Elder Scrolls 6, for example, whenever it comes and downport that all the way to Switch. So instead they might say, you know what, we want to get in on this Switch bandwagon here. We're going to release something else. And I can see that happening in in a few years if the sales continue to you know to be high and it's really going to be interesting to see how certain games actually perform like street fighter is is capcom going to be a bunch of douchebags and basically say oh well street fighter failed so you know that's it we're not giving you any you know resident evil 7 we're not giving you this we're not giving you that um and and it's gonna be interesting to, to follow but here we go this is it this is the big news, and I, I've been dying to get your opinion of this. <laughs> Purposely building up hype here. Oh, God. Drum roll. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, Nintendo was so overwhelmingly shocked by the success of the NES Classic Edition that they've decided that they're canceling it. and makes a lot of sense that's very logical it is and i have to say i i've been reading about video games like gosh for my whole life and i don't think i have ever laughed as much as i laughed when i started to read some of the reporting commentary that (laughs) journalists had pertaining to the cancellation of the nes classic it was absolutely brilliant because they were just, they were saying, you know, this just got sold, uh, sold. This just got canceled. And then it's like the next announcement Nintendo makes is like, oh, well, you know, the Switch is far exceeding our expectations and blah, blah, blah. And one of the best ones I read was on, I think it was Kotaku, where they were like, oh, well, given the, you know, overwhelming success of the Switch, we expect it to be discontinued in a few months. <laughs> Now, I mean, what do you think of this? What, what, could, why would they possibly do something like this? It's just the announcement itself. I wish they delved into more detail on why they're canceling it. It's, and you know, when, when IGN was first, like, they, 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 one of the first people who broke it and they did mention that they talked to a Nintendo representative who said that, uh, we did, we uh, expected this, uh, item to be a a limited like edition thing that we don't want we didn't want it to be uh a ongoing product and i i call absolute bullcrap on that because when they first announced this thing they made a big deal out of it so if they made a big deal out of it and they want it to be a limited edition product it, it, both these concepts don't go hand in hand so that was an absolute like bs uh, reasoning from nintendo and i don't believe that for it one second everybody's throwing theories here and there even even if Nintendo has an, something else that they want to do, uh, another product that's 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 coming in, it just doesn't make sense to cancel something that's so popular. Uh, even yeah, it's it, and people saying that it's a competition to the Switch. No, they're both completely different products. This is a closed system with no online with classic titles. It's not going to compete with even if the Switch has a virtual console. There's no competition like 
both are completely different. The only thing that comes in my head is that they want to make something else. They're, they're, they, they, they said we, we thank everybody for the feedback and that's it. But they, they're, they're thinking of something else. That's the only thing that comes to mind. I can't think of any other reason. Well, I think you're actually onto something. Um, now, when this was first announced and I first got my system, I, and I got it because I love the concept. I, I just love it. And yeah, me too. Serena and I actually have played more together on that machine than any other machine I've ever owned. Same with my wife and I. And... Yeah. And, and she's not a gamer. No, so, exactly. She, Serena yeah. Serena's not a gamer at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, when I first got it, I did my little unboxing thing. And I, I sat there and I was like, you know what? This cord is clearly the cord from the nunchuck to the, uh, hmm. to the <laughs> Wiimote. And I, I started wondering to myself if... If Nintendo simply just had, a, you know, warehouses full of spare parts, and if they were looking for a creative way of, of you know, potentially clearing out some of that stock inventory, and and that, and I believe that for quite a long time, but then this announcement comes out, and I'm like, well, it doesn't jive though. You know, it still doesn't jive because they said, oh, well, we, we, you know, we released a couple of more shipments than we originally wanted. This was supposed to be a limited time release and, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, yeah, but you still poured the molds. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you created this product. It's, it's in the pipeline. It's, it's in manufacturing. Something doesn't add up here. Like it just something somewhere doesn't feel right because they're making tons of money off of this thing. And you're going to cancel this. It's also, it also, like you, like you insinuated, it seems that there's an issue with manufacturing because they never met demand. Exactly. They never. There is an issue. Maybe, like you said, they looked for a creative way to uh, use existing parts. I don't think they intentionally, okay, we're going to do it like the Wii. That's the only thing that they had in the factory or something. So they never met expectations. And it's, it's baffling that a product so simple would be really hard to manufacture. Yeah, I don't know why. That, that doesn't make any sense to me unless they, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't go into the technicalities of manufacturing. They're a certain, a certain power plant, a certain plant is different from the switches one. I'm not quite sure what the logistics are regarding this, but uh, the other theory that they're throwing around, and again, this is something that I, I'm not really too keen on to believe, is that because it was easily hackable? What do you think regarding that? I, I don't know. Um, because I, I, I want to go back to what you said when you first spoke about this. You were saying that, you know, like, I think they're, they're, they're doing something. And I think there's credence to that. I, I honestly think you, you may be onto something here. Because did you see the Japanese press release? Yes. And it, I don't know if it's a mistranslation. They said that they're temporarily discontinuing it this year, in, in quotations. Yeah. That's what I understood. Yeah and, yeah, and I saw the Japanese translation, and it continues that we will announce when this product is back like in stock or when it's, when it's available. Now, I'm very curious about that because... That could could give a little bit of credit to the fact that, yeah, maybe they are doing something else. But there's no other product that I can think of 
short of like a virtual console, literally, you know, calling it the virtual console, and it's a box that is connected to the internet that that has multiple plug and play options that allows you to download additional games and this and that and everything else. Outside of doing something like that, I just don't see. I, I just don't see any other like what else are they going to do? And then if they do something like what I just said, then some people may say, "Oh, well, then that's competing, you know, with the Switch." So I, I don't know. It's just something about this whole situation seems very off. Yes, and it's just I don't know. Maybe this could be the reason why they're holding off Virtual Console for the Switch. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. And 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 that's something that is starting to really annoy me. That when I have a little bit of free time and I want to play, you know, something, I don't necessarily want to play, you know, one of the, like like Zelda or some, you know, massive game. I'm I'm really missing the virtual console right now. Like really, a link to the past just had its birthday, and I, it sucks that I can't go and just you know spend two hours, three hours, and and go through the whole game. It really sucks. <laughs> it's on the Nintendo 3DS. I know. <laughs> That's what Stephen <laughs> keeps telling me, and I'm like, I know, I know, but it's not the same. I went, I went through it like a couple of months ago, like a quick breeze through. That was fun. It's always fun to go back to the game. Yeah, it is. It is. And speaking of games, let's see if you thought of anything. We usually end the podcast with something we call the blast from the past or a blast from the past. And we try and, and basically pick a game where we, you know, that we, we have really fond memories of that we haven't played in a while or that we want to play again or that we just, you know, want to talk about for whatever reason. So I don't know if you thought of anything during the podcast. Did you? Yes, uh, yes, I did. Good man. Yes. So go for it. Okay, Super Mario RPG. Nice one. That, yeah, I, I, I just, I, uh, I was just, I think the only reason why I thought of it because I was telling the story of how I bought this game or how I like it won me over to my wife and how it felt like. It's like you know, it, it's something so vivid. Like I, I was eight years old when it was released, and I still remember. Like the details of the setup and how I bought it and what happened, and it's just it's still an amazing uh, story to go back to and try to like any anybody who's a gamer or a non-gamer. It's nice to tell the story and also to talk about the game itself. Uh, do you want me to start, or you can you could like chime in with something? Oh. Well, no, go ahead, man. I mean, th- this okay. is just one that from me the well, no, you know what? No, I'm going to. You talk, and and I'll I'll chime in. Okay, after. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the story first. Like uh, I talked about, I talked with you before regarding this. Um, uh, I haven't gotten into RPGs until this game. Uh, I used to watch my cousin's uncle play Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy on the NES, and I used to hate those games. Like I was, they were so boring, and I used to sleep through as he played. <laughs> and I do remember like the hit points and the HP, and like it's ho- how slow paced it was. Uh, for me, my my seven year old mind or my six year old mind, uh, it, it just didn't jive with me. Games are Mario, games are two D. That's how I used to think back in the day. I didn't have like tastes, so. Uh, I I obviously followed everything that's Mario, everything that's Sonic. I, I pick the, the the certain franchises and I just start playing. Uh, Super Mario RPG was one that I I saw in a magazine, one of the magazines, and I loved that it was 3D. So 
in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going to be a 3D Mario game, like uh, isometric. I, it was very strange. I didn't know this view- viewpoint. It was a very weird viewpoint for me. So uh, going into the store, uh, uh, I used to like deal in Saudi Arabia with the historical computer house. They were the best with regarding original games. So uh, I went into the store. Uh, the demo of Super Mario RPG was playing. Uh, I actually picked up the controller before uh, watching the demo, and I was... Uh, Playing through the first, uh, like, Bowser's Castle, and immediately when the RPG things started popping out, I was so disappointed. I, I was like, no, this is like Dragon Warrior that my cousin his uncle used to play. This is so boring. How do they do Mario with this? And I didn't understand what RPG meant, obviously. That I, I, I didn't, didn't know what the initials meant back in the day also. So I was gonna pass off. And, uh, as I was going out of the store, uh, a funny tidbit here is, I needed to go to the bathroom. That's the other thing. <laughs> I, I don't know why I remember that. I just needed to go to the bathroom. So I was so in a rush, you know. So I was going out of the store and I look at the demo playing, you know, the, the, the reel that plays before the title mm-hmm. screen. And they got these like action-packed moments, the classic Mario action-packed moments in which he gets a star, defeats enemies, and there's the sword. And it, it seemed a very action-packed for an RPG or for a slow-paced title. And that got me very interested. As soon as I saw that reel playing, I was like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. I'll go for it. And I just bought the game and went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't disappointed, man. It, 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 uh, that, that game got me into the role-playing genre, and I didn't know who Square was until that game. And that's the story of Super Mario RPG. <laughs> well, that particular game for me was... was uh, it, it, it's funny. I didn't know at the time, but... When Chrono Trigger was was gearing up for a release, everyone was referring to it as like the dream game because it was going to feature the dream team. So it was going to have the makers of Final Fantasy and the makers of Dragon Quest get together and work on a Dragon uh, Dragon Quest and uh, work on a role playing game. And I thought it was amazing. Uh, to this day, I think Chrono Trigger is is, is a, a brilliant role playing game. But when I found out that Final Fantasy and Super Mario were essentially going to have a baby, it was the same sort of thing to me where I was like, well, this is like another dream team. You know, you're, you're having, you're having the creators of, of, you know, some of my favorite games ever are, are going to be, you know, mixing it up with some of the best storytellers ever in video games. And I remember being super stoked. I was so excited for this. And when it came out, it was amazing because it was almost like an introduction to role-playing games. And I had already been playing Mm -hmm. role-playing games for years and years. But they had done it in such a way that it was so fun. And to this day, it's still an incredible game. And I really, it's, it's yet another one of those games where I would love to have this available on the Switch. And because now you've just got me, damn you, <laughs> I would like to go and, and check it out. I haven't played that in a very long time. The last time I played that was probably when it was released on the, uh, on the Wii's virtual console, most likely. Yeah, I think same here. Yeah, I revisited it and it still holds up. It's, it's, even though, like you said, it's sort of an introduction to RPGs, it still did it so well for me because I didn't, I understood few concepts, but I didn't understand, I didn't understand what 
HP main and what the the MP was and what to do. So it made things so easy for newcomers, and they did it so well. And to this day, it's it still has the best story and best original characters in a Mario game. Like everybody still goes over Gino and loves Gino, and there's a reason why. It's, he's a, such a unique character, and he's owned by Square, sadly, because we don't see him much nowadays. But it's it, and the fact that for me, the memory of Bowser becoming with you, I I was like baffled. Like what? Bowser's with you? He's a, he's a, he's your friend? It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. No. Seriously, yeah. that was that yeah. that was one of the greats. That really was. That was an, a superb, superb, superb game. And goodness, I hope that uh, that they get on that. I really, really hope that at E three we get an announcement saying that uh, the virtual console is coming up because oh, it would be awesome. Well, we're now at an hour and a half, so this is usually around the time we start winding down, and I usually just tell Stephen to wrap it up, and he says something stupid like, wrap it up, and then we end. <laughs> um, but in this case, I want to say thank you very much for joining. I really hope that we can plan this. Uh, we do it every two weeks. And I really, really hope that uh, you can join again, Ahmed, because this was uh, this was an absolute blast. Yeah, it was awesome talking to you. It's been a long time since I've done one of these. And it's, it's very like, it seems like a, it's like a natural conversation that we can have even outside of podcasting. You know, that's the cool thing about it. We, we've added each other on WhatsApp recently. So we, we've been talking to each other and all of the, our conversations transition well to a podcast type, uh, like shoot it from the hip type of setting. And obviously for a lot of the uh, COE viewers, I won't be a replacement for Steven. Steven is absolutely cool and awesome, but I'll try my best to fill his role as he uh, comes back from, uh, uh, parents, parenthood. Oh, don't worry. Uh, if I have my way, he'll never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, Stephen. All right, everybody. So that's it for this uh, this episode, and we will be back in two weeks' time. We'll see if we do a, a generic gamers or if we'll do another fanboys. It really depends on uh, what happens in the industry. All right, everybody. Take care. Bye. <laughs>